Hayes, Alexander, Shabbat for three, bang, oh! will get it for the win. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper for another 21-22 postgame recap. Technically not postgame, the day after, but I needed to get my thoughts out on Norman Powell's debut. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, it's going to be really short, really brief. I just wanted to give my thoughts on last night's game against the Milwaukee Bucks, Norman Powell and Robert Covington's debuts. We started out really well. We were shooting the lights out. I immediately noticed that the Milwaukee Bucks were going with a very switch-everything-heavy scheme. Brooke Lopez has been out basically the whole season. Bobby Portis was starting in place of him, and he was phenomenal scoring in the low post, hitting turnarounds, hitting jump hooks, He was and hitting jump shots. He was awesome. But they were switching everything, and you know that the Bucks have a lot of good defenders. That's why they won the championship. Drew Holiday was just exceptional. I forget who it was that he ripped like right at half court yesterday, but it was pretty impressive. And then there's uh, Chris Middleton, who can hold his own completely. And then, of course, Giannis, who has won a defensive player of the year and is one of the best help defenders in the league, if not the best. And the Milwaukee Bucks switch everything scheme was was going to wear on us as the game went on because we really lacked shot creation, but that's where Norman Powell comes in. Marcus Morris Sr. did play really well, though. He had 8 or 10 points in the first quarter, and we were hitting our threes in the first quarter. Reggie, Sr., Brewmaster hit a couple. We were doing our thing. But the Milwaukee Bucks were just staying in it, man. They were staying in it. And Norman Powell came in late first quarter, and you knew the vibes were going to be good when he hit his first shot, and it was a contested three off the dribble. And he scored seven points within like the first two minutes that he played. And we led seven to four. I'm sorry, no, he had seven points in the first quarter, and we led 32 28 after one. Uh, Giannis started out getting everybody involved, letting everybody go. But the second quarter is when things started to turn. The Bucks only allowed 19 points to be scored on them by us, and they scored 32 of their own. And Giannis was doing well in transition, but they started just hitting shots, man. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and, you know, Drew Holiday, he's he's a, he's nice. I mean, he had a great game. 27 points, 5 rebounds, and 13 assists to go along with 2 steals on 11 of 16 shooting and 2 of 5 from deep. But... You know, it was really towards the end of the quarter where the Bucks, just the end of the half where they really started putting it on. But Norman Powell was doing everything that I said he was going to do. He got Giannis uh, stepping up on a little bit of a hesitation at the top, went to the basket, scored a right-handed layup. He was showing his chops going to his right, like I said. And he showed his, you know, his shot. Like He can shoot the ball. He can hit open threes. So he's good off-ball and on-ball, which is like, honestly, when you look around the league, it's not that frequent that you have guys that are good at both, and I think that will know their role at both. And I think Norman, even when we get Chris and Chris and Blake, when we get Kawhi and Paul back, he's gonna know his role. 
And I thought as the game went on, though, especially the end of the quarter, second quarter, our starting lineup kind of started digging us a hole. You know, we, we had a lineup at one point, though. It was total bench on some Glen Rivers. But honestly, I, I accept it, and I think it's cool because it just shows how deep we are right now. Rocco, Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, Terrence Mann, Newt Kennard, and Isaiah. That's an 11-man rotation. And honestly, for this remainder of the regular season, I don't think it needs to be shortened. I think that that's fine. I think the one guy that suffers, though, in this deal is Brandon Boston Jr. I think he's probably just not going to get his chances this season. And that it is what it is. I mean, he's a young player. He's 20 years old. He will get his time. At least he did get a lot of time this year. But I think that his role will continue to decrease as the season progresses. And he'll be – but going forward, though, Brandon will be great, you know. And if it's not – if eventually we, we trade him or something – because we want to let him develop and we want to get... I mean, honestly, I think we're pretty set if we just get Kawhi and Paul back. We may need a backup point guard, though. Because yesterday we saw glimpses of a little bit of Terrence handling, a little bit of Amir handling. I think it may be best to have Amir handling in the second unit, like I said in the uh, in the last episode. Because Norman's basically... I noticed last night as the game progressed, as Reggie started bricking, as Senior started bricking, and they were loading up on Senior every time in that second half. And you know what? When someone loads up... You got to cut. And, you know, we had our occasional cuts, our occasional cross-court passes. We started missing in the second half. And when you have a load-up situation, that's where contested mid-ranges come in. And if you have that as a skill and senior does, make or miss league, though. He was missing in the second half. He ended 7-15 of 15 from the field and 5-8 of eight from deep. So he actually had an efficient shooting, efficient shooting night. But in the second half, he just tailored off, you know, 20 points. And the thing is, the Bucks were run. He had 20 points on... Uh, seven to fifteen, as I said, eight rebounds. But what the Bucks really did in that second half was when we started missing, they started pushing in transition. And in the beginning of the third quarter, I was getting really pissed because they were calling every little ticky tack foul for Giannis going to the basket. It was really getting me annoyed, really getting me annoyed. But overall, I think mean, that's not why we got killed. They, they, Giannis got in transition and had twenty six points before I, before I even blinked an eye. Like. He had been piling on the free throw attempts. It's really what it is. And that's one thing you got to give Giannis credit for in, t- in today's NBA. He's one of the few superstars that constantly puts pressure on the rim and the officials. He constantly puts pressure on the officials. And that's why he won the championship. And that's, and again, going back to the whole three point shooting, you know, you need to shoot a bunch of threes to win today. Mid range and easy baskets still win in the playoffs. And I still believe in live by the three, die by the three. Giannis generated easy baskets for the Milwaukee Bucks. He generates the easiest baskets of any superstar because he's athletic and he's hungry. He gets good position and he's strong and tall, you know? And he had easy baskets, but the real thing that stuck out was Pat Connaughton went Kyle Corver on our asses. Second half, he was making every three he took, everything. From all over the place. Right wing, left wing, top of the key. And then Drew Holiday was hitting threes. And Bobby Portis, he was 4 of 5 from 3, Bobby Portis. As a team, the Bucks shot 19 of 38 from deep. So when you mix their defense with that kind of shooting and us, you know, not having Kawhi and Paul and Reggie Jackson shooting 3 for 12, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They were hitting everything. There wasn't much we could do about it unless we just, you know, Made our shots in the second half. The starting lineup did not play well. Nico Batum only played 16 minutes, and he was one of five. And Nico's been a little quiet lately. We need to get. We need to try to get a. There's a lot of games lately where he's not getting enough shots. We got to do a concerted effort of trying to get him some shots again. And he's got to be a little bit more engaged, cutting what like he does. He's our best cutter. So when Marcus Morris Senior is getting loaded up on like that, he needs to start cutting, uh, like he always does. Terrence Mann, he had his good and bad moments, but honestly. 
I actually liked what I saw from him. He hit a mid-range. He got to the basket. He's 3 of 8, but he really should be 3 of 7 because one of those, Giannis fouled him and they didn't call it. And I thought, and he was plus 5. I mean, he had a decent plus minus. And I don't think this trade that Norman, for Norman Powell affects Terrence much at all. I think, if anything, he may get more on-ball duties in the second unit. But I think Coffee's better at that. I think we've seen more juice from Coffee in terms of making reads off the bounce. And he's a better shooter and he's more comfortable uh, with his shooting motion, as you can tell. But Norman Powell, I mean, and Rocco, by the way, great length, uh, a couple threes ill-advised, but he was three of six from deep and four of seven from the field. I can just see him being a guy, though, that sometimes, and I've already noticed it with other teams, he thinks that sometimes when he catches the ball from deep, he, 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 should, he should just shoot it right away, even if he's not open, and I don't like that. I think he needs to continue to take good shots, but he was making them. He's got great length, really long wingspan, and it was very apparent. I mean, we have so many long wings now that defend. It's just you cannot have enough of those. And then our two best players add on to that. So it's going to be unbelievable. Rocco hitting shots was a great sign. 13 points in his debut. But Norman Powell just clearly showed he was the best player on our team. And he is the best player on our team. He can get to the – he has the best, best mix of being able to get to the basket and hit jump shots, whether mid-range or three. Because senior, he's all jump shooting. He's not athletic. He can't get to the rim. And Reggie – He's, he can do that, but he's, again, a guard, and he takes very tough shots, and he's very hit or miss. And he's very hit or miss in this on-ball responsibility, in this secondary shot creator or primary shot creator role that he is in this season. It's much easier for him to be consistent and play like he did in the playoffs when he's got Paul George and, and Kawhi giving him good shots. And, you know, yeah, I know what you're going to say. He wasn't playing that great this season with Paul George. I understand, but you have to understand also, this is a, he's asked to be the secondary creator. <coughs> Almost not sick anymore, guys. I think it's the last time I'll be coughing on a podcast. But anyway, we lose. We lost the game, 137 to 113. Norman Powell, though, what a bright spot. 28 points. On 9 of 16 shooting in 24 minutes. He had 4 fouls. That actually cost him minutes in the first half because he probably would have closed out that first half that we started falling behind four of eight from deep and six of seven from the line I mean he was unbelievable and I'm so excited to have him here I mean I, again I've been I'm gonna say I've been watching him since UCLA so it's awesome but Giannis 28 points 10 rebounds five assists a steal and two blocks on eight of 15 shooting two of three from deep so I like how he didn't shoot many, but he made two of three. So that was very impressive. Uh, he The miss was a terrible miss. But man, if Giannis is making threes, he's the best player in the NBA. Forget it. Even when he's not making threes, he's in that discussion. Um, if, you're at, if you're wondering who it is for me at this point, I'm still going to stick to my guns. Man, I said Kevin Durant, um, you know, going into the season after the playoffs last year. I said Steph Curry earlier this season. Nikola Jokic and Giannis are really knocking on that door. So I think this is the biggest question mark of who the best player in the world is in my life I think 2019 it was either Durant or Kawhi but I'm gonna give Kawhi the edge because he won the championship 2020 LeBron regained that title and then last year was either KD or Steph take your pick or Giannis if you want to go that route but I watched the Nets Bucks series and it was very clear to me who the best player on the court was and Giannis even admitted it himself so I'm going to go with, I mean, the fact that they almost won that series with the injuries just is a testament to how well KD played. So I'm going to go with Durant last year, uh, but I, I think there's an argument that can be made for Curry because he played the whole season and was really in an MVP case chase while Durant was injured and, you know, they were being very conservative with him and he, he cruised in the regular season so he could be healthy for the playoffs and eat, which he did. 
But yeah, last year I'd say I'd, I'd give it to Katie or Steph. You know, there's no wrong answer. And I think this year we'll see in the playoffs who who really gains that crown from me. I think even after this year it won't be conclusive, um, like it has been in years prior with LeBron or Kobe. But we'll see. If I had to pick right now, I'm gonna go with Steph. His team's in second place. Katie's injured. Uh, I know he's in a shooting slump, but as I said with Steph, I don't care. He does enough. Way, he impacts the game in other ways. But I also think Nikola Jokic and Giannis are firmly in this discussion. But if you wanted to ask me, I'm taking Curry over Giannis right now. If I see a second playoffs where Giannis, again, this season clearly outplays him, because Curry's going to have expectations. I mean, the Warriors fans now, they think they got to win the championship this year. They, I think anything less would be disappointing, even though it shouldn't be, because they didn't have expectations to go to the finals before the season. But... Unless, you know, Clay came back and looked 100%. And Clay is starting to look good, guys. You know, I started to see tweets flying on my timeline tonight that Clay's slowly starting to regain his form. He played great against Sacramento. He had 21 points tonight on 6 of 15 shooting and 3 of 8 from deep. Steph Curry only got 12 shots off, but he had 18 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. So, again, helping them win. 41-13, and 13, the Warriors go to. I also want to congratulate this. Wow, 21 people in the live out of nowhere. I also want to congratulate um, the Senegalese national team. I have been a Senegal fan since Didier Drogba retired from international play. Uh, I love the West African nations. Uh, They're athletic. They're fast. And um, I always root for them, especially with Didier and Yaya Toure and and the various Ivorian players that played for Chelsea. Um, It really was only Didier. Oh, Salomon Kalou as well. And I was really ecstatic when I watched them lift up the African trophy in 2015. But starting in that tournament, I started rooting for Senegal because I noticed a slew of Senegalese players in the Premier League. Demba Ba, Papi Cisse, Mame Biram Djouf, Sadio Mane when he was, in, when he was on Southampton, um, and, and, and Sheikou Kuyate, several more. And I've been following them since then. Uh, 2017, I saw them lose a penalty shootout in, against a Cameroonian team that they were much better than. Cameroon goes on to win the African Cup of Nations. Who misses the penalty? Sadio Mane does and cries. 2018, they make the World Cup, as I predicted for years. I was looking so good when they beat Poland first game. Uh, I think it was that they tied Japan and then lost to Colombia maybe. It was that 1-1 against Japan, tied Colombia, and they lost. They didn't get it to the knockout stage because of a FIFA, for the first time in history, FIFA fair play, yellow card tiebreaker. Japan got the tie uh, over, over Senegal, and that sucked. And then the following year in the African Cup of Nations, they lost... In the final to Algeria on a ridiculous deflection. So for them to finally make it and win and beat... For it to be Mohamed Salah versus Sadio, you know, is an incredible story. And and Senegal was the better team. It was an ugly game. There was a lot of fouls, as you'd expect in a cup final. Both teams playing fairly conservatively. But Senegal was the better team. And Sadio making the winning penalty. And Edu Mendy, our own goalkeeper. Now I have an added incentive to root for Senegal with our goalkeeper being from, from, from Senegal. So... They won it. Congratulations. As a, as a Senegal like adopted fan, I'm so happy to see the moment. Uh, first time they've ever won it. Sadio Mane solidifying his legacy as one of the best African players of, I think, maybe all time. But my soccer history knowledge is not like that. But of this generation, no doubt. And maybe the best Senegalese player ever. Uh, he's won it all. I mean, Champions League, Premier League. 
and now the Africa Cup of Nations, and he's made the World Cup. And I look out for Senegal in this year's World Cup too, guys. They're gonna make it, and they're gonna they're gonna hopefully make some noise. But by the way, I want to also say, Kurt Zuma, you scumbag! I supported you for many many years. To see that video of you abusing your cat like that, kicking an animal, go fuck yourself. Seriously, go fuck yourself. I'm so happy we got rid of you. Trevor Shalaba is clear anyway, so go screw yourself. By the way, to the live people in the, in the chat, throw some likes in there, man. I'm only seeing five likes. Get that shit to 20. Come on now. Anyways, uh, this is six, we are six days away from Super Bowl Sunday, Dime Dropper fam. I cannot tell you the excitement that's building inside me in Los Angeles. The Super Bowl experience is in town. I am going to check it out on Saturday, so there will be a video of that, no doubt. There's going to be a lot of content this weekend, guys. Enjoy it. Milk it in. An L.A. team. I am Mr. L.A. You guys understand this? And everyone might say, how can you be Mr. L.A. and not like the Lakers? You know what? They play at the same arena in my in my lifetime. Sue me that I got, I went with a team that you know I can go watch them play more frequently. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't disrespect the Lakers. I talk about them every night and honor them in that sense. And I make and I love their history. So I am Mr. Los Angeles. You know what I'm saying? I am Mr. LA. So when it comes to LA teams winning chips, you are gonna get the content and the emotion right here. And guess when the last time we had a parade in Los Angeles was? 2014 for the Kings. And I wasn't even there because my lame ass went to school like a bum. So we better get this thing done. Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Today's, I'm going to shout out one player every single live up, to, up until the Super Bowl. And today's player is Andrew Whitworth. Um, he came to us in 2017. He's an O-lineman, offensive tackle. I heard so much about him when he was on the Cincinnati Bengals. Ironically, the team he's playing in the Super Bowl. He's one of the best linemen of this generation. I don't want to say all the time because I don't know my history of football. But... He has made a difference the second he came. One of the biggest things I noticed our first year in Los Angeles was what, how big an O-line is to an NFL team's success. Obviously, not having an NFL team, you know, I don't really know this shit. Uh, obviously, I know football, but it's, it, you don't get the same feel as when you're watching every week and you have a team and the guys that you support. And when we had no O-line, Case that's part of what made Case Keenum look so bad and Jared Goff look so bad, you know, besides the fact that Jared Fisher, Jeff Fisher sucks as a coach, but... Andrew Whitworth totally changed our O-line. Obviously, McVay did his thing, but we've had a very solid O-line ever since. Obviously, we had injuries in that 2019 season following the Super Bowl, and that was tough. But, hey, Andrew Whitworth is like a 40-year-old man. He's playing in his first Super Bowl, and I, he needs to win it, man. He deserves it. So go, Andrew Whitworth. Rob Havenstein as well. He's been with us since, since they moved here, and he's on the other side of the offensive line, and... I hope for the best for him. Thanks for joining me tonight on this short episode. Norman Powell, welcome to Los Angeles. Welcome back to Los Angeles, baby. Uh, we're excited to have you. We're playing against a great Bucks team. Tomorrow, I will be going live again. It's two big games, LA in, in action. We're playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Thankfully, for the final time this season, we've gotten waxed twice. And then, obviously, the opening night vlog. There's two vlogs, both up on the channel, if you want to go check them out on my playlist. Both uh, Memphis Grizzlies games. They beat us without jaw. The last time the game I was at, and then opening night, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s dagger. We have not had success against them, and I don't know if we're going to have any success tomorrow, but hope for the best, right? Their, their youth is a problem. But in the Lakers against the Milwaukee Bucks, that could be a bloodbath, and following that game that Russ had, it's going to be interesting. But I'll see you guys there tomorrow, guys. Peace. Oh, guys, Jesus.